Hey everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are my fellow Trek actor, who also portrayed the role of Sam in the 1993 TV movie Spies, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil, and myself, your favorite eternal ensign, Garrett Wong. Remember, you can get the full version of this podcast by signing up to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers. Does that bring back memories Sam. there, buddy? Sam, were you a Coast Guard dude, Sam? Oh, Is that, was my. Your, I was a Coast right? Guard. Yeah, it was a young Coast Guard. Um, oh, here's what I remember about that Sailor. spot. Yeah, it was a Disney Channel before there was like all the Disney XD and all yes, the- Yes, yes. There, there was, was only one Disney Channel. One yeah. Disney Channel. <laughs> And they they tried to have like for little kids programming in the morning yes. and then a little older. And then in the evening and on the weekends, they had family stuff like okay, family, okay. family movies. And things yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the old, you know, wonderful world of Disney movies. Um, yes. So this was a Disney Channel movie about World War Two era. And there were oh. German U-boats off the coast of Long Island. And I was a <laughs> Coast Guard guy. And I, I had a crush on his older sister, I think, or something like that. Oh my goodness. I don't really remember the plot. Here's the yeah. things. Here's the highlights of, of spies, the Disney channel film. Um, <laughs> uh, Cloris Leachman was in oh. it. Oh, wow. Nice. And I remember being so excited to work with Cloris Leachman. Yeah. But then I realized I'm stuck in a van driving to location with her for an hour and change each day. <laughs> and she talks and she had so many opinions. And oh, I was God. like, oh, my God, I love you, Cloris. But like no more for an hour and a half every day, each I way in the van. It. But she was awesome. Yeah. Uh, a legend. And my other two things I remember is it, we shot it in Wilmington, North Carolina. And wow. it was the very first time uh, that I had worked in Wilmington. I, I ended up working on a couple other things there. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. Wilmington was a little film town it, it, for a while, mm. for a couple of a decade or two. They had a right. lot of filming. They had a studio and I'm from North Carolina. So mm -hmm. when I went to do this, the very first time I filmed, um, my grandparents came, my dad oh. came, my sister, oh, wow. little sister, like it was, it was, this was a big of, deal for you. It was a big time. deal yeah. because I was like, Oh my God, I'm doing my job and I can see family and they yeah. can come see me do it. And it was mm -hmm. amazing. That is so cool. Um, so what do you think happened with that decade long dynasty or not a dynasty, but for a decade, Wilmington, Wilmington was putting out a lot. I of would say for 20, about 20 years. Okay. So they so, had the state of North Carolina had some big tax incentives and very cheap labor force. Yeah. So if you wanted to make a TV movie of the week, uh, you could use a non-union crew and you, oh, could, non -union. you could, okay. you could, your locations were cheap. Everything about it was cheap. And they had, um, tax incentives. And they had this little town, historic town of Wilmington, which you could play for anything. You could almost play it for New York city if you wanted. Got it. Um, or you could play it for a small town. You could, you had the water, you had sub suburbs. It was a great, I, I did spies there. I did uh one, Tr one tree Hill uh, for a couple of years that I directed on it. Mm. I did Dawson's Creek for a couple of years. Yeah. That I directed. It was a great little town. I loved it. So I'd why did they lose that prominence of being that one, you know, awesome place to go film at? Did they think get undercut by Georgia or Georgia passed some really competitive, even better big, than North Carolina, bigger. Yeah. And they had more to offer because they had Atlanta as a big city. They had Savannah yeah. as a historic city, yeah. all kinds of mountains, everything. 
Mm-hmm. And North Carolina was just like, we're not going to get into a tax incentive race mm. to spend money with Georgia. We're just not going to, that's not our business. We don't want to do it. So they wow. got rid of them. And I feel like one tree Hill was one of the last things that ended up uh, as part of that dynasty. And and now there's occasional filming there. They still have the studios in Wilmington. Mm. I, th- I don't know how often they get used, but. So the bulldogs knocked off the Tar Heels. Oh, yes, they did. So they did. sad. So sad. But you were there during the heyday. It was great. It was as great. Sam, the Coast Guard guy. Look at this. So. I just realized I'm drinking my coffee for this yes. meeting. I can see Out it. of one of our, uh, this is our current Delta Flyers merch mug. Yeah. I beat the Borg with it. There's Janeway. I love it. Yeah. With the Borg cube and her cup of coffee. Oh. And yeah. yeah. I love that mug. It's, it's a, a great mug. mug. I just realized I looked down and I'm like, oh, I've got. You're oh, actually I'm, using it. I and am. You're, full we- on. <laughs> you're wearing your Tom Paris plate I've got shirt. My <laughs> Tom Paris plate shirt on. I got my Delta Flyers hat on. Oh, I got my, my amazing Delta Flyers mug that everyone yeah. should drink their morning coffee with Janeway. Yeah. I, I do want you to watch the other episodes of Lower Decks. I know you've seen We'll Always Have Tom Paris. You've seen that episode, but you yes. really <laughs> need to. You need to watch the other eps, man. They're really I good. I know. They are know. really good. Okay. Um, but I love uh, that you have all the merch on. It's wonderful. And yeah. also, I, I want to watch you as Sam, the Coast Card guy. I want to see. Do you have a copy that, of this? Your dad I, has to have a copy of that. I bet my dad and his dad, collection of yes. VHSs somewhere. I'd have to go look. I yeah, bet. it's on VHS. It has to be. You told me that he recorded everything of, that you were on yeah. practically, right? So, well, it's yeah. a Disney. If I wonder if on Disney Plus, oh, I'm going to have to take th- a look. Maybe it's got to be in there. their library somewhere. Ooh, that would I'm be gonna interesting. Look. I'm going to go look. I can't yeah. see. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of of looking at stuff, we need to look yes. at this episode. Let's this look week. at it. All right. Yeah. So this week's episode is Relativity, and Robbie and I will be right back after we watch Relativity. After it's been it's been a while since we've seen it last, so we're gonna we'll oh, watch. Yeah. Yep. We'll be right back with our review, recap, discussion of Relativity. And for all of our Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material. Okie dokie. We are back from watching Relativity. Yes, we are. Hmm, And it was not about a relative city. (laughs) I thought it was, I was wrong. (laughs) You were wrong. That's okay. It happens. Yeah. Relative. I try. I try to remember. I do the best that I can. You did. We're always referring to our, uh, a little discussion in the bonus material section about about what he thought the synopsis was. So uh, it was quite funny. For those of you who haven't subscribed yet, it's a good thing. Check out the uh, full, full episode through Patreon. Yeah, I was wrong. I it's was all wrong. right, buddy. That's okay. Okay, let's start off with our poetry synopsis. And here we let's go. Let's do. Here we go. Here we go with my haiku for relativity. Temporal weapon. Deck four, section 39. Sevens save the day. Plural nice. seven. Get it? Get the plural sevens, seven. Seven, seven of nine to seven day. of nine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Here we go with our limerick then. Limerick, limerick me. I'm going to limerick all over you. Here we oh, go. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Our limerick for relativity goes a little something like this. Okay. A time travel episode. Here we go again. Ugh. Someone is trying to destroy Voyager like a thug. 
seven of nine to seven of nine. Turns out Braxton is a swine. They fixed it, but my brain hurts and I need a hug. <laughs> wow. You've took, yeah. you took, you know, you took some artistic license there by yeah. using the word Ugh, which Ug. is probably debatable whether or not that exists it's a word? in the dictionary. It's, a, it's an expression. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll let you slide yeah. on that one. Okay. Yes. Okay. All righty. Very All right. good. Yeah. Can you give us the breakdown on guest stars right now? Yeah, please? the actors. It was a wonderful group of actors. First of all, Braxton, our time traveling captain man. Uh, Bruce McGill is his name. He was on our show before. No, uh, he's recast. What? Yes. yes. He wasn't the the Braxton. No, back he's then? not the original Braxton, oh! which is which is which is really I, I I was because when I saw him, I'm like, wait a minute, that's not the guy from Future Zen Part One and Two. And then I went back and looked. Future Zen oh. Part One and Two Braxton is portrayed by actor Alan G. Royal. You're Bruce right. McGill replaced him in this one. So that's I just what, looked that I, up. Yeah. So that's something that really kind of um, I don't recall what the drop if there was any drama or it was it could have easily been Alan Royal's been agent a- called up and said, I'm sorry, Alan's already preoccupied on filming, you know, this this film in Czechoslovakia. He can yeah, could have been it, a so. scheduling thing. scheduling. Conflict. Oh, sure. that's so funny because yeah. I just went with it when I saw yep. Bruce McGill. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, Bruce McGill. I remember it's him. Okay. Bruce McGill is in every freaking. I mean, he's you've seen this guy's so face many, so over many and over movies. Again. Okay, yeah. he's from San Antonio, Texas. Okay, his very first job that I could find yeah. was a uh, independent film called Citizens Band. Mm. This was a movie from 1977. If you remember CB radios, remember CB? Yes, 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 yes. CB yes. radios were. 10-4, good buddy. Yeah. 10-4, good buddy. Yeah. Yeah. That was all um, very popular in popular culture. Uh-huh. CB radios were everywhere. And so this was a movie about a community of people who only knew each other through CB radios. Oh, my goodness. So his character was named Blood. There were other characters like Electric and Snake. And yeah. that was their handle yeah. on CB radio. So it sounds like a really corny but it was kind of like before it was the internet before the internet. Like it was yeah. people who could sort of get on their CB radio. They didn't have to see people face to face. They could create whatever persona that they wanted on their CB radio. And I, I, I don't know the movie, but I would imagine it, it probably was a exploration of that idea before you had the internet and yes. things, you know, and, and that was 19, you said 1977. So he was born in 1950. So he was 27 years old when he first portrayed that character in about CB radios. Blood. Bruce McGill, uh, Citizens Band, his first movie. He's also probably most known for Animal House, where he played Daniel Simpson Day. That's right. A year after he was in Animal House. So oh with goodness. among other legends and yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Dakin Matthews plays Patterson, uh, Admiral Patterson, mm. uh, Janeway's teacher. His yeah. first job was Remington Steel back in 1985. Oh, my goodness. Remington Steel. The old Steel. Remington Steel TV Ooh, show. Goodness um, gracious. Next one I've got here is Jay Carnes, who played Duquesne. Mm. I have to say, 
I did a play with Jay. I forgot no. he was on our show. Oh I, my goodness. I did a, uh, a, a an amazing production of Romeo and Juliet. Jay played Mercutio. He actually took over for uh, an actor who was fired. Oh. Um, but Jay took over late in the rehearsal process for Mercutio and did a phenomenal job. Who does he look like to you? I don't know. Who does he look like to you? The lost Carradine brother. Oh, he, he looks look like, like Robert a... Carradine from yeah. Lewis Skolnick from Revenge of the Nerds. I'm he looking does. at him going, this is his yeah, this is his doppelganger almost. Very he similar does. look. Mm. He does. Okay. Uh, Jay's first job was in 1990. He'd done some theater, gone to school for theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, right around the time that I met him doing a play in 91. Yeah. Um, it was on a soap opera called Generations. Oh. It was a very short-lived soap back yeah. in those days, about three years it ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, basically Generations was about, uh, kind of followed a uh, Caucasian family and an African-American family. Oh. Kind of the stories about how they dealt with the world. So it was an interesting concept. Last actor we've got here is Josh Clark, who plays Lieutenant Carey. Good old Carey. What was his first job? I want to know that. I don't know that. The first thing that I could find was 1976. Oh, one year before Bruce McGill's uh, first role. Yeah. Okay. That's a long uh, time ago. A long time ago. He must have been very young. But anyway, he did a TV movie called The Other Side of Victory which starred Mark Margolis and David Naughton. Wow. David, Naut- David Naughton was known for his Dr. Pepper commercials and also an American Werewolf in London. Oh, that David uh, Naughton. Yes. That David Naughton. And Mark Margolis is mostly known for, I think, Pet Detective. He was in the Pet Detective movies. Yeah. And also all of the um, Darren Aronofsky films like Black Swan and Pie. And um, anyway, well, kind of an art house Regarding David Naughton, you just connected two dots for me. I had no idea that the guy from American Werewolf in London is the same one that sang, I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? That's him? Yep. I can see him right now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, that's our guest stars. I it was it. directed by Alan Eastman. Uh, we were wrong. It was not. Well, it, it wasn't Alan. Wendell. It wasn't Alan. It was not Alan Craker or Terry Wendell yeah. or uh, Les Landau. It was Alan Eastman. I think he did two episodes and this was his second one. I had to look um, him up. Um, I, I actually Googled him just to see his face. And I do remember his face. I do remember his yeah. face now. And interesting enough, this Alan, like the other Alan, Alan Craker, they're both Canadian. Yeah, they're he's both, Canadian They too. both hail from that. the Great White North, so... There is another yeah. factoid. The story by Nick Sagan, teleplay by Brian Fuller, Nick Sagan, and Michael Taylor. Yeah. So I, we, we were way off on way off, writers way and directors. Off. That's right. That's okay. But a very clever story. And, very much so. Uh, yeah. So there we go. There's our, there's All right. our lineup. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Let's start this episode off with our opening shot of an amazing Utopia Planitia is what it's called, which is the dry dock area. These are the, yeah. This is where Starfleet essentially builds starships. And mm-hmm. it's located on Mars. Uh, at some point it gets destroyed. But, uh, you know, at this point in time and for this episode, it's it's a very bustling and and a very cool. Uh, very cool opening mm-hmm. opening shot because we're kind of out there in space. The camera sort of sort of floating around and yeah. seeing all these ships being worked on, these Starfleet ships. Yeah. And eventually it sort of reveals 
Delta the uh, the Delta. You were going to say the Delta Flyer. <laughs> okay. The yeah. Voyager. The Voyager uh, mm-hmm. in dry dock. It yes. reveals it, and it's a very cool opening shot. Great visual effects. Yeah. And then we go inside, and Janeway, yeah, she beams up aboard into a hallway there, mm-hmm. and she's greeted by Admiral Patterson. Yeah. Who basically says you're late, and dives right into a pop quiz. Which I thought was very funny because he's sort of he's like you're late. Wait, did she beam into the hallway? No, I'm mixing no, no, up. No, all. You're, there you're were a lot up. of. They're beam- actually in the transporter room. They're in so, the transporter yeah, room. But That's so right. before you go to that, let me finish saying. Uh, oh yeah. When you when you said the Voyager, um, well, I just want to bring up this is a little sidebar here that the most one of the more recent episodes of Strange New Worlds that's with Anson Mount as Captain Pike. He actually is in the transporter room and he greets the guests and he does not say, welcome to the Enterprise. He says, welcome to Enterprise. He says, without the the. Really? Yes. That seems strange to me. No, but I like it that way. Because I would rather say, welcome to Voyager instead of welcome to the Voyager. I've always been a no, don't put the the the. there. A no the guy. I'm a no I'm a, the guy. I'm a the guy. I know you're a the guy, and that's why yeah. we work well together. Okay. Yeah. I All mean, right. If you have a boat named Floaty McFloaterface, that's your boat name. And <laughs> you invite somebody, hey, come meet me on the boat. We're gonna go water ski and hang out on the boat. Yeah. They get on. You would say, Welcome to the Floaty McFloat face. You would say that. You wouldn't okay. say, Welcome to Floaty McFloat. Like I like welcome to Floaty McFloat face. I'm welcome okay with that. to welcome the to Floaty. This is the boat. If you if I say welcome to Voyager, then it's like I'm giving a welcome to someone named Voyager. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to Voyager. Welcome to Harry. Welcome to Janeway. And welcome to Voyager. I'm giving you, welcomes to each. You know, I hear you. I Where you it's have like, a va- welcome to the. Now you are welcome to the place called Voyager. You know, it's a valid argument. I'm fine with what you're saying, but I'm going to say tomato, tomato. Some people say tomato. Some people say tomato. And I like it without the the. Tomato, tomato. Yes. I don't think you need the article, but okay. I mean, you like the the, and I'm like, eh, we could do without. So, okay. All right. We digress. We digress. So we do, but I, but I, my big takeaway from this is if I get a boat, I'm naming it Floaty Floaty McFloaty. Oh, Floaty McFloat face. Face. Yes. I think there was a Bodie McBoat face contest. Yeah. I'm stealing it and just calling I, it floaty. Okay. We do, we definitely digress. Now. We digressed a lot. Okay. We did. Let's go, let's go back into it. So okay. they are in the transporter room and yes. Janeway with old Janeway hairdo beams in. Yeah. So this is our first indication. She's got this a is, bun. Yeah, there's the bun of steel. It's there. It's back again. Yes. And it's like immediately you're thinking, what is happening here? But she is being basically greeted by her old teacher, Admiral Patterson. He's there with a little pop quiz for her and ask her a few, you know, questions, science questions. And she yeah, he says them. I wrote it down. So she comes in late yeah. and he's like, he's got, he's like, all right. Pop quiz. He doesn't actually say that, but he goes, she comes in late and he goes, you're late. Silence, awkward silence. He goes, what is the threshold of the H2 molecule? She goes, 14.7 electron volts. He goes, third brightest star in Orion. She goes, viewed from where? He goes, hmm, Earth. She goes, Gamma Orionis or Bellatrix, if you prefer the original Arabic name. 
That's how they do it. Okay. It's like well, I- immediately <laughs> back into I'm the teacher. It was a it was like, what is happening? But I like I like the attitude they had. It was I, I do like the attitude, and I'm yes. glad that you were able to, you know, show a little bit of you were able to science a, a bit just now, a little sauce. But at the same time, you're in your delivery came yeah. off a little bit sensual, a bit. <laughs> just a little, it was like a little hostile, angry, angry sex. They were gonna have angry sex, I think. She's fine. gonna have angry sex with her old. What, whatever kind of yeah. teacher what was he he was the he was a <laughs> calculus teacher physics or something i don't it's know some something. science teacher so some type of science field science um, they get they get all excited about science though, okay and okay but yes she's got a bun and by the way richard starstead is standing there right behind her right yeah, behind is. the admiral sorry yes. right behind the admiral richard starstead who was robert beltran's stand-in Yes. Uh, on the show. We love Richard. He's awesome. Always mm. there. Such a good guy. And I I just bring it up because he continues with them on the whole tour. He's like Mr. Number Two to the Admiral, which I thought, good for you, Richard. Uh, like, yes. He's like the Admiral's attache. Or his, He's the you know, attache in the whole, yes, the whole run. Yes. Every time we see the Admiral, there's Richard. Okay. So finally, after the quiz, um, they hug it out. <laughs> which I thought was very sweet because it, it was, was like, what is happening at first with these questions, science questions, yeah. like the, this pop quiz. And then, but they hug it out and you realize that she's come on board, uh, on board uh, Voyager for the very first time. Yeah. He's Rundock. getting, she's getting a tour. She's getting her first, first tour. Very mm-hmm. first one. So they walk down a hall. She's looking around the ship. Yeah. It's a great little hallway walk. People are working on panels everywhere. They end up at the turbo lift. And they get inside. She knows every detail of the ship. She says she's been studying it for over three months now. Yeah. So this is basically a scene before the pilot. You know, you start to Mm -hmm. orient ourselves and we're Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is before the pilot. They reach the bridge. Yeah. And uh, she does. She she starts to talk about how it's much bigger than she expected. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Um, Like a TARDIS. Yeah. yeah. She, She sits down in her chair. Yeah. Um, for the very first time. And there's a mm-hmm. nice, a nice uh, moment, a moment there. there. Yeah. And then she's uh, then the Admiral says, well, if you like this, come on in, I'll show you something even more exciting. And they go into the ready room. Mm-hmm. She walks in for a second. The first thing she does is ordered order uh, a coffee, black mm-hmm. coffee from the replicator, from yeah. the replicator, which I thought was great. That um, was good. She then asks yeah. about Tuvok. The yep. Admiral talks about, well, you know, he's still undercover. He hasn't really, he's on Chakotay's ship and, yep. you know. Um, we don't want to bring him out too soon. Yeah, don't so, wanna, yeah. yeah want to keep him undercover for a little longer. Jamie then talks about the difficulty of catching Chakotay in his ship in the Badlands. It's just really difficult to maneuver amongst all the anomalies and the, and the power surges and whatever is going on in the Badlands that cause ships to sort of like lose control. So at this point, she suggests Tom Paris and his marvelous piloting skills. She goes and off about she Tom does. for a little she while. Waxes poetic about Tom. And he's the, the guy. Yeah, yeah. Patterson, yeah. Patterson is a little skeptical. He's like, really? Uh, Admiral Paris's son? I don't think that's a good choice. He's not really happy about that. But um, he listens to Janeway and he says, well, okay, I'll look into it. I'll take a, take a look into that. She says at the end of the scene, something like, you know, everybody, she, she steps up close to the Admiral. She has this meaningful look and she's yeah. like, everybody deserves a second chance. That's right. And they have this long pause. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's an interesting 
it felt like there was more to the story there and he was in on it or something. I don't know. I, I thought that was going to go somewhere and it didn't yeah. really, that moment didn't. Or didn't if really... she had a really cryptic ending line saying, I've had my eye on young Mr. Paris for a while now. Something like that. Something like that would have been nice. Yeah. Would have been very yeah. suggestive. You don't know what's really going on there. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then we move to the bridge again. Mm-hmm. They go back over to Paris's future station, the con mm-hmm. down at the front. With and... some kind of panel or something yes. else that I was like, what yeah. the heck is that? I've never seen that part of the of the, the, of the con down there station. Yeah. Never. Yeah, Never. there's some type of, you know, some type of wiring going on or whatever it may be, some mm-hmm. type of diagnostic that's being run by a crew person mm-hmm. who then turns around into camera and we see it is seven of nine in a medical or science colored uniform. Mm-hmm. And it is seven. And I remember very clearly in the script, she was supposed to be wearing Operation Slash Security Gold. That was really? her uniform. Yes, that was her uniform. Oh, that's right. And she didn't she like refused the color. To, no, she didn't. She says, I do not want to wear this color. And they, you know, they listened to her request and boom, she's wearing green now. And, uh, you know, to, for me, I felt a little. Oh, she didn't my like feelings were color. Hurt. Yeah, my feelings oh. were hurt. I was just like, really? You didn't go with the gold, team gold? And, uh, but, you know, that's her choice. And she Well, you've talked about power. this. Like, she I felt did. like it didn't flatter her skin or it washed her out or something well, like that. Well, yeah, because she saw it on, on me. I don't think you should have gold if you're Asian. You know, I, I mean, it's just the worst color for mm-hmm. an Asian. The better color for an Asian is going to be green or red. So on me, on a day-to-day basis, I think she probably said, oh, it's it's not very complimentary. Yeah, so. But I bet it, she was thrilled to be out of that bodysuit that oh my gosh she must have been yeah body suit, and you know. she didn't have to have any of the implants on her face too so she just didn't have any prosthetics oh my gosh she probably felt that was the easiest day of hair and makeup she's mm-hmm. ever had mm-hmm. so she's ecstatic clearly yeah. uh and she's not wearing the, the the tight suit and as well as all the stuff that went underneath that suit. exactly yep uh, but she looks good. She looks good in medical she slash science. She looks younger to me. Something looked, about, it was like less makeup maybe, or the hair was a little looser yeah, or something. Does, you're right. She does look more youthful. Little, she yeah. Does. That's a good really call. Did. That's a really good call. She exits the bridge after mm-hmm. that reveal, which was a great shot, by the way. Yes. We come back from commercial. There's a bit of a time jump and you, we yep. see the exit again from a different angle. And she walks directly into the briefing room. And then all of a sudden she contacts somebody and you can hear her say, the bridge is clear. There's no sign of the weapon. So now we know a mystery is afoot. Something is going on. We don't know who she's talking to. And at this point, she's, you know, there's a little bit of an interruption because Janeway and Patterson entered the briefing room and catch seven a bit doing her thing. And Janeway talks about how she doesn't really, you know, she doesn't really like the layout of the room so much. She feels like it's not as uh, conducive to meetings. It's not I very guess. comfortable. It's not a, she yes, says something she about says. it's not designed for com- it's it's not designed very comfortably or something. That's like right. That. That's and then right. she asks Seven. She's like, yeah. uh, Ensign, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. What's your opinion? Mm-hmm. What's your opinion? Seven's like, it's an efficient design. <laughs> yeah. And Janeway says, Oh well, I guess I was wrong. Yeah. And she she basically like. Okay, that ends and says it's efficient. I'm good enough for me. I'm wrong. You know, I almost it's not wanted... comfortable in there. That was a horrible room to shoot in. It was okay. like, but when she said, you know how Seven speaks, very non-human like, right? You know, yes. It's an efficient design. I almost wanted Janeway to sort of like take a 
like a double take and like, why is this human speaking this in this manner? You know, like just for just for a split second, just to mm-hmm. see it a little like hey, something's a little OK and then go on. But, you know, it didn't happen. It's OK. But we know that it's seven. That's interesting because I know some people as, as, as you were talking about that, hmm. like, should Janeway have been aware of her speech pattern being awkward or formal yes. or something. Yeah. I actually know a couple of people popped in my head that, that actually like have, that? Really? That have very formal speech patterns. Hmm. And I think, I wonder if, you know, um, they get judged or, you know, um, boxed in sometimes because uh, of that, because of that pattern. speech yeah. pattern. Yeah, I, bet, because I bet you they do. You I know? bet you they do. I bet mm-hmm. they get, you know, one of them is a family member, a, um, a nephew of mine. And he, hmm has a very kind of formal intellectual kind of speech pattern, mm-hmm. which I know him well. So to me, it doesn't seem unusual, but I think a lot of times that the impression is that he's not socially comfortable, which yes. is not the case at all. No, which is it's, it's not. It's, it's just, not. he's very comfortable with that sort of data oriented, you know, concrete right. Right. Uh, formal descriptions. Mm-hmm. So. So yep. it'd be, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to think of seven out of her Borg branding, so to speak. Correct. <laughs> and Correct. being, you know, uh, playing a human, a full human yes. on the ship and yes. how, how different she might seem. Yes. Or yeah. the writers could have written her response being more colloquial. A more, yeah. And more hip sounding, right? She's undercover, you know, where, where she could say, yeah. It's pretty cool, you know, or something like I don't know. Yeah. That's probably too slang, but they, I, you know what I'm saying. It would have been funny, though. I think you're onto something. It would have been. Yeah. It would. It would have given us a lot of comedy if we had Heck been yeah. able to. If she, if she to had her trying the... to be yeah. casual and yes. an opportunity to play the cover of some, you know, completely nothing. Someone yeah. no nothing like uh, seven. Yeah, exactly. That would have been, been another layer that would have added more more depth and more richness to this episode. Yeah, it would have been. Seen. It would have been funny. Okay, so in our story at this point, I think we're jumping to sick bay right now. Janeway and Patterson arrive in sick bay and they activate the EMH, who is a little bit salty because at this point he, you know, he hasn't really evolved so much. He's just mm-hmm. the EMH. He's a he's the first. Well, not even not a trial. Is he a trial program at this point? Or, or he's a I, new program. He's a new program. Because the admiral yeah. says he's got four million. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, doctors in his database, doctors, mm-hmm. you know, uh, files. And when he appears, he goes, nope, five million. Five million. Yeah. Exactly. So we have uh, the appearance of Bob Picardo for a very short yeah. amount of time. Um, Patterson deactivates him. We move on to engineering when mm-hmm. we see Seven, who's wandering around trying to do get her uh, stuff done. And Lieutenant Carey sees She's kind of creeping around engineering. Yeah, she's let's face it, she's a creeper in this in this scene. Carrie notices that he doesn't know who she is and he walks up to come talk to her. And basically she introduces herself as Anna Jameson. Jameson, comma Anna. So um he asks her, What are you doing here? And she says, Oh, I'm just trying to realign the EPS manifold. She she's thinking. Uh, she's tra- trying to come up with something on, on the run there. And she she's good enough that she comes up with this. And he says, well, I can help you. She says, no, 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 no. And then he says, well, maybe I'll see you in the mess hall later. And she's like, well, probably not. Or, you know, or unfortunate or what, what is her term? She says, uh, 
doubtful. And then doubtful, he's like, excuse yeah. me, uh, what's that? And he says, oh, well, I, I'm just, uh, I'm on assignment. I'm not even a member of the Voyager crew. I'm just here on assignment doing a couple mm-hmm. of uh, things for Starfleet. And so that's uh, her way of He's kind of, of flirty in this. Scene. He's very he's much flirty. You can tell flirty. he's trying to make a move on her. For yeah, sure. he's trying to make a yeah. move. Yeah, it's very interesting. And then you see her sort of sneaking back towards the Jeffrey's tube doors mm-hmm. that take us to our Jeffrey's tube sets off That's engineering. Right. As she heads over there, we cut out in the hall and Janeway's heading to engineering to get the tour. And we have a little moment there where she comes in yeah. and reveal, we reveal that uh, this is the engine room for, for Voyager and mm-hmm. Janeway's seeing it for the very first time. We go back in the tubes and Seven is talking to someone. Mm-hmm. But we Crawling don't know through the tubes. Yet. Crawling yeah. through the tubes. She says she's located this the temporal distortion. Mm-hmm. She opens another door. Um, I did notice when that door opened it, looked back on her, the fake background of the tube behind her. Yeah. Did you know? It What'd didn't you see? line, it didn't line uh-huh. up. It was like a different color. So you the, the Jeffrey's tube, the uh-huh. Jeffrey's tube is really only about eight or 10 feet deep yes and then it then it stopped that's it and what we would put behind it is either a green screen so that they could extend it mm-hmm. but that was very expensive the other thing that they usually did was just put up this uh they rolled in this photo backing that sort <laughs> yeah. of sat there and it uh, was fine but it was not the same color right it was like bluer and it was and and all of a sudden the lights that go along the yeah. perspective yeah Change direction a little. It was just, oh gosh, it, you it, it really it. distracted you me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. But anyway, she, uh, after I was traumatized by the fake photo and the back of all the <laughs> tube, uh, I let that go. And she steps over, opens up a panel, and she says, I found the weapon. Yeah. Deck four, section 39. She's found that weapon. Mm-hmm. Somebody on the, uh, the communication, however she's communicating, tells her to begin the procedure. So she starts that up. We then jump over to engineering. An alarm goes off. Janeway walks over to Lieutenant Carey and says, you know, what's going on? He says, uh, evidently, one of the EPS relays has gone offline. Janeway says, you know, this is this is great. I'm, I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and tackle this on my own. I'll take Get over my hands Lieutenant Carey. Dirty. Exactly. Get all dirty. I can take care of this. And then she goes on a mission to figure out what's going on. We jump back to the Jeffrey's tube and we find out that the weapon is out of phase. So she can't really deactivate the weapon. Uh, she was sent to the wrong time frame, So she needs to be sent to the correct time frame by whoever. As an audience member, we still don't know who the heck is sending her. Who she's talking places. to. We don't know. Yeah, who we have no clue. Yeah. No clue. But they say, we know where the weapon is. Now yeah. we need to know when. Yeah, exactly. When was it placed? Because that's that we need to intercept that person before they place it in that section of the Jeffrey's tube. We jump back to engineering where Janeway has noticed that the hatch that uh, goes from engineering into the Jeffrey's tube was locked from the inside. So very mysterious. And clearly there's some type of intruder. Somebody is on the ship. And then with her tricorder, she reads some type of chronoton flux. Patterson quickly tells security to seal off deck four. So now Mm -hmm. force fields are going into effect. And now we jump back to the Jeffrey's tube and seven now knows that she has been detected. The voice, the strange voice from the other side tells her that there's too much interference from the weapon to beam her out. And the voice asks her to recalibrate her temporal transport beam. So we now know we have official confirmation. She is from another time in history Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. she was beamed temporally aboard this Voyager. 
in mm-hmm. this time time frame. And now we jump to the corridor and we have Janeway and Patterson accessing the Jeffrey's tube from a different section, a different part of the ship. I just got to say, I got to say something here. Mm. So Patterson and Janeway and yeah, Tuvok is there too as well. And so, Tuvok. Yeah. But they don't really have weapons on them. I mean, they, did they maybe they didn't have, have I thought they had phasers. Didn't maybe? they have phasers? No. Oh. I don't know. Well, later on when they get caught in the middle, they don't have phasers. So it would be a continuity problem if they had them in one timeline and didn't in another. But oh. it just seemed like if you read this, Chronoton Flux is there and there's an intruder locking doors. Like it could be many people. They could be into a big battle here. Wouldn't you bring more than the Admiral? Wouldn't you actually <laughs> take the Admiral away from the danger? I was just yeah. like, What? Are you are you really gonna <laughs> just you guys three or four people are gonna go see what's up? Yes, okay. wouldn't you wouldn't you take the venerated admiral who's you know served yeah. Starfleet for all these years away from the front line away of danger? danger? Yes, you probably yeah. would. But it, instead, it is Janeway and and Patterson. by the way, they're scientists, right? Like <laughs> yeah. the whole emphasis is that, we're scientists. Hey. I'm going to give you a pop quiz. We are not the special forces special ops that go in when we detect yeah, temporal <laughs> flux situations and and locked corridors okay so they're not section 31 but i will say no. this janeway's weapon that she has with her and patterson is science oh. they have science they can as their, yes yes they can they use. can blinded them with science <laughs> blinded them with science <laughs> Okay, I just had to do a little no. Thomas Dolby. Thomas Dolby. Look at that. You are pulling back from the 80s. I love that. Okay. Okay. So, anyway, so they go in. Yes, they go as in. They send Tuvok in another they, direction. Yes, Remember? as Tuvok. foolish as they are. Tu- yes, Tuvok goes the other way. Mm-hmm. So even more dangerous for the Admiral. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, now, Jay, J- uh, sorry. So now we have seven in the Jeffrey's tube. And mm-hmm. the the dis- disembodied voice tells her to scramble the locking mechanism before they can get in and this and that. But, you know, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have the very first shot of the temporal starship bridge interior we have a um a captain that's captain braxton and of course at this point i'm watching him going like who is that guy and i know it's bruce mcgill oh, but i'm thinking that's funny because i just guy went with it i'm braxton. like oh yeah bruce he's back. <laughs> right I, yeah i recognize it i was like i recognize him yeah no you you recognize but him I, from a billion things he's done but not but from not, voyager not yeah. the previous <laughs> exactly Whoops. Whoopsie. um so captain braxton played by bruce mcgill is now ordering a beam out of seven and Lieutenant Duquesne, which we find out his name way later, but not now, yeah. but oh, we're going to say it now. Lieutenant, Lieutenant Duquesne, a.k.a. Robert Carradine, um, he says <laughs> that there is just way too much interference. And if they pull her out now, it might damage her bionetic implants. And I don't know if you noticed this, but as I was yes. watching, Megan goes, look at their com badges. I'm looking. She goes, it's the ChronoWorks logo. I thought, holy moly, mind blown. And it's like, oh my God, it's not a Starfleet logo. It's a ChronoWorks logo. So interesting. uh, From Future Zen, part one and two. Uh, But I do like their uniforms. I thought those uniforms. I did too. I liked Bob Blackman came up with. Oh, yeah. The sideways side thing. Yeah. With the little. So the colors on that little, you know, off, it's basically off centered, right? It's a little sliver of. 
color there, but everything else is a dark gray. So yep. I really liked what Bob Blackman did with that. They look mm-hmm. really cool. We jump to the Jeffries tube and Janeway and Patterson enter, but yet there's no sign of seven. She's been beamed out. And therein lies the mystery of the chroniton flux that Janeway has no clue uh, as to the mm-hmm. answer of that. And now we jump over to the temporal starship's transporter room. Seven beams in and immediately falls to the ground. And yep. then that's when Duquesne informs the audience that she is dead. And <laughs> of course, like, wait a minute. What? Jerry Ryan's dead? Yeah. Seven of nine. <laughs> is I, what is happening Almost here? dead or dead, dead. So I, I, I bring in a Princess Bride. Uh, uh, yes. Um, but uh, it's a it's reference. a time. By the way, I'm just going to be transparent here. Yeah. These timeline stories make my brain hurt. Like they are, I, they're painful. I, they're it's painful. so painful because it just all they're, of a sudden you're like, oh, nothing. Everything's possible, so nothing yeah. matters. Like yeah. it's still cool though. I do. I do enjoy seeing a good uh, timeline. For me, I do. I it's kind of some neat. people love them. I'm yeah. just not. For me, I'm like. As soon okay, as so you here I'm gonna ask you. On a, all right, scale yeah. of one to ten. Ten being love most, one being cannot stand. Where is timeline? Uh, where is jumping around in time? Temporal storylines for you? Three. Really? Yeah. Not not high. Okay, I'm on the other end. I'm eight. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. All right. I mean, I think like in a Back to the Future, that's um, the whole story is in mm-hmm. one film. Mm-hmm. You can tell a time story in a film. But yeah. in a series where you've got multiple stories and all yeah. kinds of serialized stories, and it's like, I don't know, it starts to pull everything apart in yeah. the, uh, for the other episodes, to me, yeah. like as soon as you play with the time. See, this is good. This is why we complement each other. Okay. Yeah. You are anti-temporal timeline storylines. I yes. am for temporal timeline storylines. You I'm just are cautious. I'm yeah. cautious okay. of them. Fine. You are the Voyager. I am Voyager. So there you go. Okay. Little differences here. All right. All right. Uh, so now we go to a the exterior shot of this temporal starship, which and it's a cool say, ship. It is sleek. It's beautiful. It, you know what it looks like? It looks sort of like a a mm-hmm. stealth fighter uh-huh. Uh-huh. from any military <laughs> from the U.S. military. It or looks any other like it also looks fighter. a lot like the Delta Flyer. It looks Do you like see a that really big version. No. Yes, it's got sort of similar. No. Yeah, I think so. No. Like Stingray I, kind of. No, I don't see that at all. Oh, I totally see it. It looks like a submarine and a stealth fighter mixed together to me. Okay. okay. So, all right. But if you see Delta Flyer, again, I see Delta Flyer in everything. Compliment. Yes, of course you do. Of course you do. Okay, so we're back on the Temporal Starship Bridge, and Braxton orders Duquesne to go back in time to recruit Seven yet again, since the Seven that they have is now dead. And, you know, Duquesne says, look, a fourth jump, Seven could suffer neural damage, even temporal psychosis, which is an affliction that nobody wants, clearly. You don't need to... uh, Is that something that that was invented for this episode i don't yeah. ever remember hearing no I temporal think it was psychosis i think it was temporal psychosis and it becomes very important because mm-hmm. that's what the dude has later yes. on but anyway it, it, it's an important point that very important uh, concept mm-hmm, that was created for this episode um the captain like, yeah he <laughs> orders him recruiter yeah. again do it right uh we're going to grab her a microsecond before the explosion yeah. on voyager and no one will even know she's gone and so Duquesne 
um, you know, follows the orders and he starts to walk over. I love the way Jake Harms did this when yes. they were, when he was kind of, yeah, he calls all, it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down. He goes, as he's walking over to the center of the bridge, yeah. he goes, raise shields, time frame, star date, five, two, eight, six, one point two, seven, four Delta quadrant special coordinates, 87 theta by two, seven, one target USS Voyager. Very theatrical. It I was loved so, it. yeah. I but loved he it. Did it like, yeah. With some panache. With a little zhuzh. Real panache. Yeah, because he could have easily just rattled that off like he was bored. But no, he performed that. And I thought... And he did it again is... later. Yeah, like he whenever... did it. I loved it, though. Whenever I they so were cool. jumping time like yeah. that, it's like, okay, this is yeah. my thing that I do. Yeah. I well, get... <laughs> I... <laughs> but you know what I like about it, though, Robbie? I like the fact that he makes it loud. He makes it... He, he projects to the back of the house. But if you think about it, you can't mess up with temporal coordinates. You need to be very, very clear about oh, where yeah. in time you're going. So this yeah. is probably status quo. And for Jay to come up with this, or maybe the director who came up with this, I don't know who, it's brilliant. Makes sense yeah. to me. You know, this it is the good. way you're going to call the ball every single time in the future. So I, I, agree. L- I loved it for sure. I did too. I liked yeah. it a lot. That's why I wrote it down. Yeah. That's why I wanted to perform it because- yep. I was impressed. Good job, Jay. Next, we cut to this point of view, this POV shot, and it's all right. green. And we see the doctor kind of distorted with yes. some kind of light. And he says, follow the light. And yep. I was just, I thought that was a very cool, mysterious moment. I'm like, what is What's happening? This? Yeah. Because you don't even know where it's at either. Because you're nope. thinking, okay, it's the doctor's voice. They're cl- clearly in sickbay, but they're That's not. What I thought I wrote it down. Oh, no. I wrote yeah. sickbay. Oh, we're in I sickbay. I did too. And then as soon as, as soon as we jumped out to see, no, we're in the cargo bay by seven's regeneration pods and seven is getting this diagnosis. She says that she tried a self-diagnosis. She did. She says that the flaw is her human physiology. Yeah. Uh, She had dizziness. She had double vision. Mm -hmm. She's concluded that it's something called Albright Salzman syndrome. Mm -hmm. And the doctor's like, well, I don't think that because that's super rare. He says the I, last time someone who came down with that was 200 years ago. So, you know, so it's kind of like, I don't think that's it. Yeah. I, I love this though, because <laughs> it, it, it like totally called me out because I have gone on the internet so many times to Google like your own diagnose myself yeah. <laughs> and i'm sure that i have this rare disease right yeah seven did exactly <laughs> yeah. what every human does which yeah what every hypochondriac human being does exactly. <laughs> exactly oh yeah oh yeah so the doctor says it's probably just a mild case of sensory aphasia and he's got a little something for that he mm-hmm. futzes with his hyperspray and gives her a little a little zhuzh And voila, she can start, it kind of comes into focus. She can see uh, everything's good. He starts to head out and he basically says, next time, just consult me. Don't self-diagnose. Don't Google your symptoms. He says, don't go to the database to find out what's going on. And that seven has that lovely line. You are the database is what she says back. So there you go. I love that line. Yeah, you are the database. Mm -hmm. And then, then he responds finally with, uh, yes, with two legs and a splendid bedside manner. It's <laughs> his final, his final line as he walks out. Yeah, we cut out into the hall, mm-hmm. and Paris is bouncing a ping pong ball. Yeah, but before you go in, before you go to Paris bouncing a ping pong ball, 
again, we the episode right two episodes before this, before yeah. this was 1159, before that was your episode that you directed, Someone to Watch Over Me. Mm-hmm. And that whole Dr. Crush does not play in this episode at all. It's gone. That it's whole gone, infatuation. Yeah. 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 It's well, it was the kind of thing yep. they did not encourage us to hang on to any stories. I mean, it unless was like, they brought if, them up. If they unless, bring them up, it's okay. But we weren't yeah. able to keep those. But we weren't able yeah. to play almost never. I mean, I do think with Bolana and Tom, there was some of that. But again, even, even with Tom and Bolana, there wasn't a lot of opportunity unless they wrote it. That's right. To really play that. That's right. Um, okay. But yeah, we go out into the hall next and there's Paris walking along, bouncing yeah. the ping pong ball and he's bouncing it up and up. And I was like, oh my God, I paused. And I was like, I remember this. I was terrified because I had to do the whole scene walking, remembering my lines, yeah. bouncing a real ping pong ball. <laughs> I remember saying to them, like, is this going to be a digital ball? Yeah, that's what I thought. I go, there's no way he bounced that ball the entire time. That that's was a, a real digital ball. ball. But yes, I figured that out. That, that was a real ball. And you did a really good job. The, and I know that you're the only thing that sort of gave off the fact that you were nervous is your other hand. Your other hand was down here ready to catch if it fell off. It was sort of, typically, well, you're not going to be all ready to catch it. You're going to be kind of like casual and then catch it. But I dude, could tell. I did so many takes. I mean. Oh, no, I, I believe you. But there I'm were so many saying, takes where I would be like three lines in and the yeah. ball would fall and I'd be like, oh. I hear you. And then, I I, you. okay, got to start over again. Yes. And, yes. and here we go. Action, bounce, bounce, bounce. Couple lines in, falls off. So we did yeah. a lot. We didn't do like 25 takes or anything, but we right. probably did eight or 10 takes easily yeah. because, uh, yeah. I, but I it was smooth. I mean, the end result of the one that they finally used. Yeah, it worked. Your, your dialogue, I, I there's no detection of you being nervous at all. The bouncing okay. looks great. And again, the only thing is the because I rewound this, I, I rewound that scene 17 times. So that, <laughs> therefore, I, I was like, oh, okay. His hand is a it's little for real. His other oh, hand, yeah. yeah. And that's it the only sweet. thing. No one's no one else is going to see that because they're going to be watching the bouncing ball the entire time. They're well, also just for the audience to know, yeah, that's a real ball in the hallway. But later on in the mess hall, we did some real ball, but most of it was uh, vis effects, if you remember. Yes, I do recall that. Yeah, I do we, we that. did do some, mm -hmm. but not much because to get four people to actually play ping pong in a decent manner yeah would have been going to be difficult for sure yeah so that was a digital ball later on but, yep. but in this scene to save money i learned how to bounce the ball and say the words at the same time look at that i you saved could, the could, company money again this is robbie mcneil displaying how he could walk and chew gum at the same time and mm -hmm. he, he did it it took him a few takes but he got it done so good job yes uh, anyway, she uh, she says, oh, that's a curious exercise. <laughs> and he says uh, he's got a doubles tournament coming up. Yeah. And um, it takes a lot of hand eye coordination. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he realized, wait a minute, she's a Borg. Yeah. He's like, hey, maybe you should be my partner. And she's like, no, not interested. And he goes, uh, well, I guess I'll just tell Bolana that you're afraid that you're not good enough. And yeah. she's like, oh, you're appealing to my vanity. And basically, it works. Basically. It works. It <laughs> totally works. But, but here's my question for you. Why no. isn't Balana your partner to begin with? I don't know. That made no sense either. I was like, no, yeah. oh, I don't understand. But, but anyway, so you do recruit Seven to be your partner. 
I do. It's fun. Uh, we jump to sick bay, and now Janeway has entered sick bay, and she has some symptoms. She tells the doctor she has nausea and dizziness. And he mentions, oh, well, you're the third person that I've treated for space sickness. And the doc suggests, you know, maybe the inertial dampers are out of alignment. There could be a number of reasons behind this. And uh, he gives Janeway a little hypo spray and, and sends her on the way. And she says, I'll check out the inertial dampers. Now we jump to the mess hall and we have the ping pong match. We have Harry and Bellana on one team, Seven and Tom in the other. And I do now that you mentioned it earlier that this a lot of it was VisFX. I was supremely excited that we were actually playing ping pong. Ping pong is one of my I think favorite I things. That. Yeah. Oh my God. So I was sitting here going, yes, I get to play something that I've played my entire life and that but I we relish didn't. playing, but we didn't. And that really bummed me out. I, digital. Oh it was a fake yes. digital ball. So I know. they told us how many moves, you know, yeah. what the pattern, what the order was yeah. that people yeah. were supposed to be hitting. Yeah. And you can tell sometimes if you freeze it on a two shot yeah. that like, I was looking down, but Jerry was looking over there. Like, oh, we no, looking. you're not even looking at the same eye line then. No. Oh, good catch. Good but catch. You can, you can only tell if you freeze it at if the you right freeze moment. It. Yeah. yeah. If you're not freezing it, it's 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 definitely not uh, yeah, it detectable. It yeah, it, it still works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we go back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Tom says, say good night, Harry. I don't know. And why didn't you say, say good night, Balana? I mean, I, I thought you would say that, but no, you got to mess mm. with me. Yeah. And you come in for this huge hit, which you did very well. You looked very you. physically, you know, um, spry. I, and I had a ping pong table as a kid myself. There you go. So another similarity between you and I. And so then you come in for this huge, huge, basically overhand smash. And then the ball freezes. And again, I don't recall, remember the ball freezing um, before. So I was like, <gasps> you know, it was kind of cool. That effect yeah. there. And Harry goes like, what kind of shot do you call that? <laughs> when you freeze mm -hmm. the ball in midair. Um, Seven pulls out a tricorder where I don't know where she found the tricorder, but she has a tricorder and she reads temporal distortions or, or afoot. So now we know something's going on, or at least these uh, actors now know, these characters now know something's happening. Mm -hmm. um, but then we leave. We jump out of that scene. Right. We don't really have any explanation except she for that. reads. No, she reads the temporal distortions. Everybody's kind of curious for a second. And then the ball goes shooting, unfreezes yeah. and goes shooting. Yeah. And and then it cuts to Neelix and Neelix is like, eh. it's oh, almost well. like, yeah, well, that, that happens yeah. every day. Balls you know? freeze in the middle of a game all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. He's like, no big deal. Back to my pad. Keeping score. By the way, the score was what was the 1918. Score? 19 close score. Yeah, yeah. Close score. Yeah. Got to win by two, I think. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I wish someone would have said it's haunted or something like that. I mean, it's just like there was no, no acknowledgement of a ball freezing for about six seconds before it moved on. So. I feel like whatever was going on in the ping pong tournament in this scene. Yeah. No, nobody was phased by the frozen ball. No. And later on, when there's literally a shootout next to it, <laughs> it's like everybody just kind of stands around going, but the ping pong tournament like nobody dives for cover or <laughs> no <laughs> like standing there what yeah. who are you i even who, say to him later i'm jumping to the later yeah. scene but like yeah wait who are you who excuse me with the gun and the weird tricorder <laughs> and the like yeah who are you maybe an invader maybe this is urgent <laughs> yeah anyway anyway the frozen ping pong ball didn't seem to bother neelix he no. said oh well no oh, well 
Yeah. We go to we go to a cool flyby of Voyager. We mm-hmm. cut into astrometrics. Janeway comes in and asks uh, for a report. Balana has been studying these temporal distortions. Mm-hmm. Why the ball froze? What's going on here? She says there uh, these distortions are fracturing fracturing space time throughout yeah. the ship. Mm-hmm. And we cut cut up and we see the different parts of the ship that are starting to have damage from mm-hmm. these temporal distortions that are damaging the hull. Tuvok says the cause is unknown, but it's emanating from deck four, section 39. It's tearing the ship apart, basically. Yeah. We and have then, two hours. We got two hours before yeah. the ship is toast. Then we go to a three shot. Now, I took a picture in my notes of this three shot. I just oh. want to say something. Okay. We may have talked about this before. Yeah. Balana's uniform has a V cut that's yeah. down it's, it's lower, almost to her belly button. Okay, not quite that low, but it's low. Yeah. And then next to her is Janeway, and her yeah. V cut just barely crosses over the black line. Correct. And then Tuvox, I don't even think it touches the black line. No. Why it, it does everybody have a different length of V? We depth? talked. To, we've talked about this before. What? Well, tell me. I okay, remember okay. we did. All right. So if you watch, is this early, your theory? No, or is not this even my really theory. A fact. This is, it's a fact. I think we. I think Bob Blackman told us about this. So if you look at Season one, two, and three of Voyager, Harry's also ends at the line, just like two boxes. Oh, yeah. And then later, it goes lower. It denotes, or it basically shows who is more relaxed. The mm. more relaxed you are, the more in, in command of everything, it drops lower. If you're a more uptight character, it stays at the line. So, so Balana is more relaxed. Than See, the that's captain. really weird. That doesn't make any sense. It should be the other way around, right? The captain should basically go down to her belly button. Like, yeah. she's, is like, it, she's like, the most is it relaxed? Is it confident? Is it? Yeah. It's, it's supposedly more in it's, a way, right? Yeah, I like, guess. But I, I think I heard it was about like who's more uptight. The more uptight characters are going to have them stop at the line. Okay. So anyway, they're yeah. in astrometrics. They just all of a sudden in that three shot, they're, they're lined up. And I was like, what yeah. the heck? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's all. Great. I'm glad yeah. we covered that. Sure. Uh-huh. And and by the way, at the end of this scene that we come away with, we realize we have only about two hours at the most. That's left right. That's before right. Before these temporal... Uh, distortions just tear the whole ship apart mm-hmm. two hours that's not a lot of time and not that's the end time. of the ship basically yeah. so now we're in sick bay and we see the doctor is administering a hypo spray to a somebody very sick, a very, very sick, sick individual yes. and that person is played by one of our regular background actors and sometimes he also did stand in work as well pablo yep. that's pablo right there getting the hypo spray Love and i gotta pablo. say pablo was just she was doing some acting there he, he was, was doing guy. some <laughs> he was well, really just if anyone has ever noticed yeah. pablo has a huge career in commercials mm. he he has gone on from star trek as a background yeah. artist to become a very successful commercial actor. Nice. And I've seen him in dozens and dozens of commercials. He's a real actor. And yeah. by the way, the thing I love about Pablo is his obsession was salsa dancing. Do you remember that? Yeah. And he, oh, he talked about salsa dancing and he would always be sort of dancing off to the side between takes. And yeah. I love that he was a big salsa dancer. Anyway, he also, yeah. I think he, didn't he write a 
book as well. Oh, I'm, I wouldn't I, be surprised. Okay. Anyway, he, he was a so go getter. He, he was. He was. Yeah. He was all. He was always on the set with us. Uh, very good natured. We joked around with him all the time. Yep. Um, the doctor then says, uh, "An injection a day keeps space sickness away." And Pablo plays a really just not not amused at all person and not happy with being sick. So Pablo did a great job there, uh, nonverbal acting. And uh, Janeway hails the doctor to say that the epidemic has been caused by temporal distortions. And the doctor goes, aha, I figured it was something like that. Neelix then calls the doctor to the mess hall with a medical emergency. Ensign Manus is violently ill. And the doctor says, okay, I'm heading down there. He heads into the mess hall. And all is fine. Neelix is there talking about food or whatever. Yeah, and he's Neelix looking is around. relaxed. And yeah. offers a snack. Does not remember calling. He's like, you called no me. Emergency. Neelix is like, I don't remember what? calling you. No idea. And Sinmanis is fine. They look over and Sinmanis seems fine for a second. Yeah. And then he collapses. And then he collapses. <laughs> and the doc rushes over. Yeah. And uh, he puts together the temporal distortions he yeah. checks the time mm-hmm. on a nearby console mm-hmm. realizes that it's seven minutes earlier in the mess hall mm-hmm. than it was in sick bay when he called that's right and so different parts of the ship are now starting to align in different timelines and yeah. that explains why that's why uh, the call hasn't happened yet yeah 1543 it's- is mm-hmm. the time in sick bay 1536 is the time in mess hall so sick bay is ahead of mess hall mm-hmm. uh we go to the ready room now and uh um janeway's ordering coffee black again mm-hmm. she really loves her coffee doesn't she she does i'm She's glad that i used the mug today the janeway mug i had no idea how perfect the our delta flyers janeway i beat the board with coffee mug yeah. that uh, you can only you- get through the delta flyers and how appropriate it is for today's episode very much so Yes. More coffee for Janeway. Yeah. Chicote comes in. She's like, please don't give me bad news. You know what happens to the people that deliver bad news? That's right. Uh, kill the messenger kind of threat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes, basically, he says it's a temporal paradox yeah. that time is speeding up in some parts of the ship. It's slowing down in other parts of the ship. And that the fractures, the space-time fractures are growing stronger throughout the ship. Um, all of a sudden, they they have an aha moment talking about how food that was just replicated uh, turns rotten uh, within yeah, seconds. Yeah, she says her yeah. coffee. Her coffee tastes old. Yeah, replicated mm-hmm. at the top of the scene. She goes, this yeah. tastes like it's three days old. Yep. yep. Um, so it's starting to make sense. Yeah. Uh, Janeway does come up with a solution. Janeway says she's been working on enhancing the containment fields to keep these fractures from spreading. And right when she says that, all of a sudden you see multiple images of Chakotay. Like he's just, you know, as he's walking walking, at the desk, it's like, yeah, five or six different phases of Chakotay echoing and and, Mm -hmm. uh, overlapping. Yeah. Um, And she scans him and finds that the temporal distortion is right here happening. There's a fracture happening right there. Intersecting the room and it's expanding. It's getting bigger. And Mm -hmm. so Chakotay and Janeway leave with the last comment, Chakotay goes, well, we can test out your theory of uh, the containment fields. Containment fields yeah. Yeah. Give that a shot. Uh, we go in the tube, in Jeffrey's yep. tube. Balan and Seven uh, uh, come out of that Jeffrey's tube door that has the really bad photo backing behind it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's all about the perspective. Like, just, it is. just move it a little. Anyway, mm-hmm. that really bugged me. Yeah. But Balana says uh, that it's coming from right here. Yeah. And they open up the uh, the panel. 
and seven sees a piece of technology. Yep, but Bolana does not. Can't no. see it. Only seven. So her implants can detect irregularities in space time. Yep. And they call the bridge. When we cut to the bridge, the bridge is shaking. Yeah. Um, Janeway says, uh, beam that piece of technology off. Tuvok's mm-hmm. like, I can't get a lock on it. Mm-hmm. Harry says, it's starting to demolecularize the, the hall. Yeah. And I was wondering, when you said demolecularize, do you remember? I had a memory. I don't know if I'm right. That you couldn't say demolecularize on the day. It was very difficult. I, I can't even say it now. Demolecularize. Yeah. It was very difficult. Did do you remember that too? Yes. yes. I, feel, I feel like when we were shooting that scene, you were like demolecular. Ah, I was really upset. I was like, I, I, I was thought like, so. God dang it! Like, why can't you guys just, you know, the hole's about to buckle. How about that? The hole's about to buckle. That's better than demolecularize. So it was funny. Like, I remember it was that such a too. Twister. And I, it's shocking that you recall that. But, but uh, it's interesting. You remember my times of stress. I do. <laughs> I do. It was yeah. very. It was very. It was tragic. difficult because, like, sometimes it's some of these words that are techno babble words. They end up become becoming tongue twisters. In my yeah. estimation, it's yeah. just not easy to say. So, you know, I mean, you don't grow I, up. You don't grow up in the in the 60s you don't you're not born in the 60s and go through the 70s and 80s talking about demolecularizing anything like no one ever uses this so yeah yeah. in fact when i tried to type the word demolecularize uh i kept autocorrecting to just the letter d and molecular (laughs) because it's not a word like it's a star trek made up word i don't think you (laughs) there's not a real word of demolecularize i feel better now Thank yeah. You. So, but okay. I do remember it was hard to say. So in that moment, I was like, was. "Oh, I remember." Garrett was really getting frustrated. We're I, watching. We're watching that. Been there. <laughs> Megan goes, "You had a hard time with that word, didn't you?" I go, "Yes, I did. <laughs> that was not fun." <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we go back to uh, a corridor. A corridor, right? and yeah. Duquesne and another time ship officer uh, beam in. Yes, I love their beamins. By the way, it was they have different cool than beamins. Our, yeah. yeah. It felt yeah. very modern and very cool. Yes. Um, just a nice detail that they mixed it up a little. Yeah. Uh, but they beam in and take mm-hmm. off somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to the bridge. Harry's picked up a chroniton uh, flux reading. 0.003. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked up that reading. And all of a sudden. Janeway moves up to my station at this point. Yeah. She's like, right? wait a minute. I remember yeah. that. And she goes, dry dock. That's what she says. And yes. Harry's like, captain. And she goes, I remember the chroniton flux from five years ago when it was in dry dock. And. So this is a big, big, you know, plot point right here. So we know. Okay. So this is where. Uh Oh, here's again. your problem. <laughs> here we go. So go she remembers <laughs> part of that timeline. Yes. But I guess because they haven't. So because they haven't like taken her yet and reintegrated all her memories. And correct. So she's got portions of the timeline that were corrupted by seven being there. Correct. Okay. I mean, yes and no. It still makes my brain hurt. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> okay. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, okay. So she starts to remember some yeah. of this. So yeah. we realize the dry dock has memories have are still there for her. And then five years ago, Chakotay talks about temporal distortions are about to destroy the ship. Yeah. She's like, we got to abandon ship. This is huge. Tell us abandon the crew. Ship. Yeah, jump into these escape pods and type in or punch in this heading of 178 Mark 4. This is going to be the rendezvous point for everybody. And yeah, we've never 
ever done that. So it's That's a lot of people, even though we have lost a lot of people. Yes. And the random number is somewhere between 140 and 165. There you go. I don't know. Somewhere in there. Do you think we have enough escape pods for everybody? That's hmm. what I'm saying. That'd be a lot of escape pods. That'd be at least like 10, 20, 30 I'm, escape pods. Yeah. I'm feeling like you're, you're doubling up or tripling up or quadrupling up people in escape pods, right? It's not to. just one per person. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen an escape pod. Escape I wonder pod. what our escape pods look like. I think we, yeah, have we? I don't think. No, I, actually, I there is an episode where some of us get, get into an escape pod and we, we exit. So this is not the first time we've gotten into an escape pod. Oh, really? Yeah, I do feel like we've already seen that. And of course, one of our fans are going to. They're going to remind us. They're going to remind us. Okay. They're going to remind us. So she says abandon ship. We cut out in the hall. Uh, Seven is walking. I love the cool low angle that. that She's moving quite briskly. I don't know if she's Very briskly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But great kind of shot here. And Mm -hmm. then she runs into Duquesne. And he places a device that looks like a mobile emitter on her shoulder. And what, what does she say, though? She says, identify yourselves. And he says, no time, which is a reference back to. Oh, the pilot. The pilot episode with caretaker himself. He's like, no time. There's time. no time. Yeah, there's no time. So, you know, there's a lot of time kind of references. Yes, you're right. Voyager you're right. has. So there you go. I got to say, when he put the thing on her shoulder. Yeah. It was it was similar in size and shape to the mo- the doctor's mobile emitter. Mobile emitter. Different color, was- though. Yeah, it was placed on the shoulder like the mobile emitter. Yeah. I really wish that they had done something different. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen him place it on her third on her eye, head, on her forehead, or, on her, yeah, on, on her, her chest. Or, yeah, or, or maybe right on her nose. Or, he could have went boop right when he put yeah. it on her nose, too. So it's it could a have classic. Been, it's a classic Garrett move. It is. Boop, boop. Yeah, I booped Robbie quite a bit, and he would yep. boop me back on the bridge, and yep. it was me touching Robbie's com badge. I would go. And then Robbie would go, ha, 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 boop, right back. So, <laughs> thank you for booping with me. I appreciate yeah. it. A little All right. boop nostalgia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish they had done it anywhere. It was. It felt like because it was so similar to the mobile emitter, I just think that That bugged been, you. It bugged me. I knew. I knew that was going to bug you. So, it bugged me. It's so anyway, funny. I can guess when you're going to get bugged now. So, yeah. All right. Um, they, they get beamed out, temporarily beamed out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now we have a... Interesting shot. What did you think of that shot back on our bridge or that Voyager bridge with Janeway? What does that look on her face? Is that look on her face like I'm going down with the ship? Is that the look that she had? I kind think of? so. Okay, so she didn't go to the escape pod. She was no. like, mm, this whole ship's going to be toast in about five seconds. And we, we push in. Yeah, and push yep. it on her. Exterior vis-, vis-, vis effect shot of Voyager exploding. Not a very good shot of Voyager exploding, but yeah, yeah. it is Voyager being ripped apart. Yeah. And Janeway of that timeline is no more, unfortunately. So, well, it was an explosion that was not like a physical explosion. It was these time fluctuations that were ripping the thing apart. So there was sort of a bit of ghostly, like it was a weird explosion. Yeah. Like it, it didn't feel like a normal know, explosion. Yeah. Torpedo no. ripped it apart. It nope. was like it was kind of exploding and disintegrating and disappearing, sort of. It was, it was yeah. very. And then when it came apart, it looked like Voyager was then a puzzle, like different pieces of Voyager were very puzzle-like. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be like kind of, uh, you know, just evaporate or completely be just, uh, you wouldn't see anything, any debris, but you really see big chunks of debris. Big chunks. Yeah. Yeah, Huge chunks, quite chunky. We go to uh, space again, we see the time ship fly by. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I thought it looked even more like the Delta Flyer from this. I angle. can't see. It. All right, now I got to go back and watch this again just to see. It what looks you're like a about. giant Delta Flyer mo- mothership to me. I don't see that. Okay, really? that's fine. No, okay. but I'll have to look at it again. So now we're on the Relativity Bridge and Braxton <laughs> is greeting her. He's like, welcome back. And he says, we are on the Federation Timeship Relativities. And now you know this is actually a Federation ship. And he tells her this is almost 500 years in the future. Well, he does say when she first gets introduced, he's like, yeah. oh, good to see you again. She's like, again? Yeah. And he goes, oh, I keep forgetting. I, I keep thinking you're going to remember. She's not. And I was, I was like, shouldn't what? you know that? Like, you're, you're <laughs> a freaking timeship captain. You should know when you pull people in, they're not going to remember. Yeah. I just, I thought that was an odd little imperfection of him oh i thought you might remember you know she's not gonna remember it is odd but so so, but that sort of adds the fact where you don't you know when he does finally get out yeah he's a little off so that 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 you're like okay okay, i buy into that you know he's a little he's a little loopy but Um, he does explain yeah we're in we're you're now 500 years in the future yeah we need your help somebody planted this weapon on voyager we need you to find it she's like why me yeah Okay. Yep. And this weapon. This is, this is the this is the part that really bugs oh, me. Oh no. Okay. Go. So he goes, your ocular implant. It can t- detect fractures in space time better than any of our sensors. <laughs> I call bull crap. I call bull crap on that. Her ocular <laughs> implant is better than any technology time ship specialist has. Okay. 500 years in the yeah. future. Because really, let's face oh, it, her, her ocular implant are like the, the Edsel. Okay. The Edsel. Yes. And what they're dealing with is the Tesla. Is what they're dealing yes. with. They're, they already have a Tesla. The and whole, they're saying me, that her Edsel me, is more yes. advanced. I knew that was going to get you. To I me, like forget it. about the timeline stuff and all that. <laughs> the fact that this whole episode hinges yeah. on the belief yeah. that her ocular implant yeah. can detect fractures yeah. in space time better than any of okay. their okay. But I was it, like, they did. I, I hear you. I know you're upset. I know it pulled okay. you out. But they did add an extra line on there. They said basically, yeah, you know, your implants can is are better than our sensors. But they also add, and plus because of your familiarity with the crew, yes, you will blend in that. better. They added they that. Did add that. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right. So now okay. she's Maybe. there to help solve the mystery of this weapon, which basically fractures space-time within a radius of 150 meters. It's called a Force 3 Temporal Disruptor, which is a really cool sounding name, to be sure. honest. Yeah. Force 3 Temporal Disruptor. Yeah, so yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah, so now um, they know this. They know that it was placed on Voyager two years before Seven arrived when we were dealing with the Kazon. We're fighting off the Kazon. Shields were down at the time, and that's mm-hmm. why somebody was able to get on board and place this temporal disruptor there. And she, yeah, but she's like, it can't be the Kazon. The Kazon? Yeah, they're like, they don't even know how to make water. They don't they're even t- know how to make water. Exactly. They're t- way too dumb. No. <laughs> to do this. And they say, no, it's not the Kazon. It's somebody else, clearly. Mm-hmm. So then Braxton tells Duquesne to brief Seven on their modern 500 years in the future protocols. We have a little bit of a time jump. And now we're- They do another- tell her, by the way, in that scene, they say, yeah. look, you've done this for us twice before. This will be your third jump. Right. You can do three jumps, but after that, there yeah. could be side effects. 
weeks. Yeah. That's important that she knows this. That's correct. Uh, they say that, yeah, there could be side effects of sensory aphasia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can cause psychosis. So th- we got to get it right this time. This is your third try. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, meet me in Holomatrix one. We're going to practice with the simulation. Right. He'll fill you in on all our protocols. And right. we cut to them doing the protocols. Yeah, they're doing the protocols. And it's a very wordy scene. My goodness. Oh my I gosh, mean, for yes. them to have to, both these actors have to memorize that. Bravo. Bravo to them. They they have to talk about the Dolly paradox. They have to talk about the Pogo paradox. They have to give an example. Seven has to give an example of the Pogo paradox. And so it's very, very dense. And I actually like I, this scene, though, I got to yeah. say, because I did, because because I struggle with time jump stories. Yeah. The fact that they were sort of giving the cliff notes of like, here's the issues. Oh, in time, okay. It helped time explain it to you. It helped to me. It was okay. it just give it gave some context of like, yes. you know, what are the potential pitfalls and right. dangers in these stories? Correct. I, I like this scene. Okay, good, good. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it gives you the parameters of what they're working with, and yep. for some, for people that are averse to these temporal storylines, this is a really good primer. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. What did you say? The cliff notes, the cliff the notes cliff of notes, temporal, exactly. uh, temporal uh, dynamics. Um, so now, uh, and by the way, at, at the, yes. at the end of the scene, they go through all this. And the one kind of takeaway I had was um, she says something like, are you sure this is going to work? And he says, look, I trust Braxton. And she Just says, well, like, yeah, Janeway has taught me about trust and about, how uh, that human quality. And so they both sort of bond over this idea of like, yeah, trusting Janeway and trust with Braxton, which I think is important because that's going to play out later on. Yeah. Cause Duquesne uh, says, I trust Braxton just like you trust Captain Janeway. Yes. Exactly. So that's, there you go. That's setting up. That's, that's sort of a setup for later. Um, we do jump to the relativities hollow matrix where seven is with Braxton and Braxton mm-hmm. has, uh, you know, basically set up, what it looks like of where, you know, the exact panel and how, you know, where this, this, this temporal weapon is, is located. And then he goes into this long diatribe about how, how Janeway. horrible Janeway is. And just like, she's, she's close. Oh, this guy. Yeah. I've had I to clean s- up her mess so yeah. many times. Three, three major temporal incursions that had, that I had to take care of. Uh, Janeway is just somebody who has messed everything up, poking her nose in where she doesn't need to poke it in. I was stranded in the 20th century for three decades, but actually Bruce McGill, you weren't, it was another actor. So you didn't have to deal (laughs) with that. And Braxton, um, you know, the final, the final mandate to seven from Braxton is avoid contact with Janeway. That is an order. I mean, he's very clear cut about it. Don't even don't even let her see you, you know? So mm-hmm. um, you, you now get a little sense of Braxton does not like Janeway. He does not <laughs> like all. Janeway. No, nope. not a fan of Janeway. We have a little bit of a time jump. We're still on the relativity. I like that one line that Braxton says, we have a saying in our line of work, there's no time like the past. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. I like yeah. that. After there's no time like the past, they do uh, basically put her undercover. So they yeah. they occlude her 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 uh, ocular implant on her face, mm-hmm. um, the imp- the Borg implants on her hands disappear. Yeah. She even, they have a close-up of her at the end of the scene where she goes up to reach for her ocular implant over her eye and you see her hand is clean. So yeah, right. I thought that was a nice, like simple little yeah. storytelling beat of, oh yeah, you were, we're showing that and we're having yeah. a tender, tender moment of her sort of acknowledging this. Yeah. Oh, it was nice. Yeah. And then Duquesne gives another countdown and he mm-hmm. goes through the, the <laughs> jump 
I love it, Jay. It was great. Uh, oh my goodness. Exterior shot of Voyager fighting off the Kazon. And now we're in the Voyager corridor. Seven is beamed in. People are running everywhere. everywhere. Just like People every single every- shot is of crewmen or background actors running one direction, yep. running another direction. Now we're on the Voyager bridge. Janeway calls for evasive maneuvers. Paris has a couple of lines there too. We're fighting off the Kazon. And now we keep jumping back between the bridge, the corridor, the bridge, corridor. Uh, we see Seven walking very quickly. And then we mm-hmm. see um, the engineering room. And Janeway is asking Torres or telling Torres that she needs warp engines. Torres says, look, I can't. I can't give it to you. I have to repair the containment generator. I need 10 minutes. At Just least 10. 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, at least 10. We jump back to the Voyager bridge. Harry picks up the chronoton flux of 0. 0.003 uh, from deck four. Tuvok incorrectly says that it may be random interference from Kazon weapons fire. Janeway crosses over to Harry Station like she has done over and over again. And she says that she has seen these readings before. So we have yep. another scene like that. Jeffrey's tube again. Seven. Uh, Seven's back the in the Jeffrey's mm-hmm. tube. Opens the panel. Yep. The but weapon's no, not there. It's no gone. sign it's, of the weapon. This yeah, it's not time, gone. Right? It hasn't been placed yet. That's what it is. It hasn't so. been placed. Yep. Mm. Back to the bridge. We find yep. out that the lead vessel, the lead Kazon vessel has been disabled. Correct. But the Kazon are regrouping and mm-hmm. Chakotay says, let's go to warp. Uh, they yeah, do Taurus says, warp. we can give you, I can give you warp two only. And Chakotay goes, I'll take it. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And he says, let's, let's go. Paris does it. And uh, they take off and the Kazon did not pursue. Mm-hmm. But Janeway continues thinking about this uh, flux and she remembers the dry dock in, in this timeline. Um, they never found the cause of mm-hmm. it, she said. Um, and so she says, I want a level 10, 10 force field around that section yeah. immediately. Yep. And Chakotay, as she walks out, he's like, are you sure you want to focus on these sensor ghosts right now? Like, you know maybe this isn't where we want to put our energy. And she's like, no, this is important. Yeah. Uh, we go back to the tube. She picks up seven, picks up uh, the force field that's been created. Yeah. She tries to reach the time ship, but it's blocking communication with them. Yeah. They can't hear and the time ship is trying to compensate, but they're locked out. We go in the hallway yeah. and a seven exits the Jeffrey's tube here and hits a force field. She's trapped mm-hmm. in this intersection. Turns um, around. Mm-hmm. Janeway and Tuvok are there. Uh, they got phasers pulled. Janeway remembers Seven. Janeway says, who are you? And, and Seven's like, just drop this, you know, let me out of here. Yeah. This is very important. And, I can't tell uh, you. I can't I say. Can't tell you. I can't give you my mission. designation. Yeah. And then Janeway's like, wait a minute. I do remember you. I know mm-hmm. who you are. Utopia mm-hmm. Panisha? Pen, is it Utopia Panisha? or Pl- Planisha. Planisha. That's mm-hmm. right. Autocorrect on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she does remember her Utopia Planitia, she says. And then we cut over to the time you ship. You should say and I, Panera Bread. That is yes. where she... <laughs> Autocorrected to Panera Bread. Panera Bread, bread yeah. But uh-huh. we, I love when we cut over to... When, when Janeway does remember, we cut over to the time ship and Braxton simply goes, oh, Janeway. <laughs> She's so upset. He um, hates Janeway. <laughs> But she even, Janeway even says, I remember you, efficient. Like she, you know, and it's almost like that is the reason why she had to say it in her weird Borg delivery, you know, because Janeway remembers that in a way, right? Um, But then, you know, Janeway could, Janeway should be doing a podcast because she remembers everything, unlike (laughs) yours truly, who can't remember anything. Okay. Janeway remembers even 
uh, efficient, the yes. ensign who's used the word efficient in the briefing. That's right. Room. That's Janeway. But I don't think Kate Mulgrew, the actor that plays Janeway, no. will remember no, everything. I don't think Janeway she does. Okay. So Seven is keep Seven keeps withholding information. She doesn't want to give up the, you know, give up her her cover. Um, Tuvok she was, detects she was ordered not to even not right. to even don't uh, even talk to her. Avoid talk contact. To Janeway. Right. Avoid contact. Yeah. And yeah. she's doing pretty well. Then Tuvok detects Borg implants on her. And then Janeway's now, oh my gosh, scan for Borg uh, vessels in the vicinity, you know. Uh, Janeway will not release her until she gets more information. She wants to know what's going on. Finally. Seven knows time is of the essence and she finally gives in and she spills the beans. And what really convinces Janeway to drop that force field is Seven's comment. Captain, when you take me from the Borg, you are going to tell me that part of being human is learning to trust. Trust me now. And that line is which pulls Janeway in and she says, force field, lower it now. Tuvok complies Communication is restored with the relativity. Braxton wants to beam around. And Seven says, no, 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 wait a minute. That's defeating the purpose. I'm already here. I'm pursuing the saboteur with Janeway's assistance. Mm -hmm. Cuts back to uh, Braxton, who hears with Janeway's assistance, again, a roll of the eyes. He's like, fine, proceed. (laughs) Just do it. Nosy Janeway. Um, So Duquesne, he then throws out Tempest Fugit. Do you remember that? He, th- he speaks yes. a little bit of a, a Latin there. I a had to look Latin that up. There. I had to look it up. Time flies. That's what that means. I had no clue. Yeah. But that's what made Braxton say, proceed to seven. And she does. They wander into or they crawl into that Jeffrey's tube, Janeway and seven. And you see a shadowy figure placing the about to place the uh, temporal disruptor. And of course, the reveal is it's Braxton. Braxton. In a, I'm wondering, did Bruce McGill also decline the yellow, the gold suit, and say, "I want a green one as well"? I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> I feel like he's just been I wearing gold. Um, but this Captain Braxton is clearly a bit deranged. He is he's suffering. Evil. Oh, he's evil, evil and he's suffering from temporal psychosis. So nothing is is up is down, down is up to this man, mm-hmm. and he basically says the only way to heal my temporal psychosis is to destroy Voyager. So he's he's on a personal vendetta. That's what we find out. This has nothing to do yeah, with the Yeah, if he can destroy Voyager, it will it will prevent his illness from ever happening. Exactly. So he's exactly. on this mission. Yeah. Uh we we go to the timeship bridge and mm-hmm. Duquesne now arrests yes, uh future Braxton. Yes. And he says, you know, for crimes that that he's going to commit, to commit in the future. I'm like, what? Okay, this is, again, is this Minority this is, Report with Tom Cruise. What's happening again, here? Again, yes. Yeah. Okay, this is like a timeline ethical puzzle. It, it, it this is. is. It you bugged know, you. It bugged you again, didn't it? When he yeah. said that, I knew it. Yeah, did. you start okay. playing with time, and all of a sudden, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, Duquesne, everyone else follows Duquesne's orders. So he relieves Braxton of duty, uh, arrests him, and then orders Seven to apprehend Braxton. But then Braxton, that Braxton, beams out. Beams before himself anything. out. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, got his, yeah. he's got his tricorder and his yeah. uh, weapon with him, and he beams yeah. himself out. He's beamed jumps. two years. He's jumped two years earlier. And Seven asked Duquesne, let me follow him. And Duquesne's like, oh, oh wait a minute. It's your you, fourth jump. It's your fourth jump. You really want to do this? She goes, I'm doing it. So he doesn't. he doesn't argue with her. She jumps. She, she jumps. We're we're in a hall uh, where she jumps into this hallway. She's leaning on this railing. Yeah, she stumbles. 
suffering from these uh, this jumping. Mm-hmm. Janeway is giving a tour or getting a tour from uh, from uh, the admiral, mm-hmm. and uh, we she sees Braxton running and she <laughs> throws the admiral down. <laughs> I'm just going to start with this whole section and say the action sequences of this uh, episode are not uh, our best work. Okay. Um, it's just not it's well, not shot like actions. You know, there's a there's yeah. a shooting vocabulary that you need to make these things dynamic and feel okay. and protect the actors from looking kind of gooey, goofy. And I hear you. They I, look goofy. I hear you. I, but again, I I forgave all of that. I was like, I'm OK with that. What what really bugged me is that as Braxton just, you know, like a bullet running in a China shop, he's as he's running through seven's chasing him and shoots him and hits him on his shoulder and he keeps running and i'm Did thinking he? i'm thinking what kind of phaser what kind of cockamamie you know maybe uh lame I, see, I weak think, phaser were you given from 500 years in the future i have the same thought i rewound it as he's running he sort of dodges to one side i think the story they were trying to tell was that he dodged the shot that he dodged it without looking he happened to know if I go left, I'll dodge the shot. And I think she missed him. That's the only explanation I, I could come up with. Like, okay. Why is he ducking to the left? Okay. Just what I, as, yeah, as the I, thing hits. I don't know. I know this. This is what I felt. I thought he got hit and that made him stumble to the side when he got hit like, ow. And then he it was, kept it running. was confusing. It was very confusing. Not a great. Again, this whole no. section of action, no. including our ping pong tournament that's coming up. Yeah. So, None of it felt no. very. The stakes didn't feel very real oh. or dynamic. And the, okay. shot, the shots weren't really great. All right. I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with your explanation that he dodged it. And okay. then, but yet that's going to set up my argument later about the next, about the ping pong scene. Yeah. So now Janeway now erects force fields, which stops for force fields Braxton. for all right. the exits. Exactly. Yeah. Braxton is stopped by the force field. Seven catches up to him. Again, he, but he's again, stopped by it. He's stopped he by beams. it by, by running into it and bouncing off like a three stooges. <laughs> he did. It was not, <laughs> okay. not very well done. <laughs> he, be, he bounces off like a, like a ping pong uh, ball yes, itself. And he, then beams out again, but this time five years into the future. Yep. Seven's like, Duquesne, shoot me that way too. So she jumps after him. Now this is her, is this her fifth time that now she's beaming? Yeah. yeah, okay. So now they're five years into the future. We have the mess hall. The ping pong match is going on. Braxton runs in, chased by future seven. Paris is like, who are you? And again, you're not happy with this. I get that. But here we go. Seven clearly shoots his tricorder out of his hand and shoots. Now you do agree with me. She does connect with her phaser on Braxton in this scene. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She connects to the tricorder, but what I was about to say is but she, shooting she, him. she shoots him first. He falls back. She shoots him square in the chest. He falls back. He's still standing. She shoots again and knocks the tricorder out. I think then she shoots him a third time. It's sort of like, wait a minute, that phaser from 500 years in the future is like a pop gun. It's like it doesn't do anything. It's the worst it's not really, phaser it's the ever. worst phaser ever. Oh Agreed. my goodness. What? Ugh. Agreed. It's not oh good. Goodness. It needs some inserts and tight shots and yes. close-ups and it just needed more shots. And it action did. takes time and they must not have had the time. Nope. To, to film it. But nope. uh anyway, oh. um yeah, Paris does call for security and 
Uh, he's now lost his ability to jump any further. So he's now on foot. Yeah. Paris and Harry run after him. Seven goes herself. Well, actually, Future Seven is oh, that's now right. she, Future Seven stump falls down to the ground. She's totally affected by her now fifth jump. And Seven, current Seven, goes over to goes Future over. Seven to have a little conversation. Have a little like, conversation. hey, what's going yeah. on? And Future Seven says, it is all up to you. You must capture him. You your, know, future your future on depends it. on it. And then Future Seven is beamed out by Duquesne. We do have a shot back on the relativity where Duquesne is scanning or doing some type of diagnostic on Future Seven to make sure she's not going to croak again mm-hmm. on that bridge. And she does. And that's the funniest thing. She She's now, she's been beamed five times, six times now, really, six to times. go back to relativity, relativity. And she's still alive. So that's mm-hmm. very impressive. Now we're in the Voyager corridor and Braxton is cornered. And we, we finally got him. He's beamed back to the relativity. And Janeway walks over to check on current seven to see if she's okay. She's asking for details. And at this point, before she can get an answer from current seven, Janeway herself gets beamed, temporally beamed to the relativity. <laughs> so our, our story and our plot thickens. We're now on the relativity. Duquesne is there saying, I need your help, Janeway. I need your help to clean up this timeline because we have 15 people that have seen Future Seven run into the mess yes. hall. We can't have that. We need to be able to, to, you know, not have this incursion in the timeline. So we need you, you, Janeway, to go back before everything happened and Prevent get that the Braxton. chain of events. Yes, yeah. yes. Get Braxton. And, and Braxton. Yeah. Because for leniency, because he already, he's already caught, he's agreed to provide everybody with the exact time, the exact location when he first beams in, in the corridor, before he places the temporal disruptor into the panel. And he even says, one thing that happened to me when I first beamed in is I trip, I fall forwards over, I stumble over a crew member that's Everybody in this episode remembers a lot of detail, <laughs> I got to say. Yeah, they and, do. <laughs> and by the way, besides all the detail, I noticed in this particular scene that yeah. Jerry Ryan had a cold. And oh, you can hear it. You can hear it in her, hear voice, it in her right? voice. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I didn't really notice it in any other scenes. But in this mm-hmm. scene, I could hear she was very stuffy. And okay. Got yep. a cold. So yeah. good, good catch. Good catch. Interesting real life part of yeah. our show. Very much so. And that is uh, when he stumbles over the crew member, that is Janeway's mm-hmm. chance to apprehend him. He'll be sort of on the ground and without what he needs to do to repel, to get her away or escape. Mm-hmm. Janeway is temporarily beamed to the Voyager corridor where Torres finds her. She has to interact with Torres past Torres. Now, did you did you notice in this scene? So this is back in the Kazon battle day. That's the Correct. timeline we're going back to. Balana's makeup and hair looked a little different. It looked oh, like no. back to first season. Oh, okay. And no, in a good way. Okay. And she's interacting with this time jump Janeway who doesn't have a bun. And oh, she, she should have caught that in a second, right? She says, Oh, I thought oh. you were headed to the bridge. Why doesn't she say, I've never seen your hair this way, Captain? <laughs> Why doesn't she say, Captain, where's your bun of bun steel? steel? I have yeah. not. Wow, I yeah. like this look on you, Captain. It looks yeah. fabulous. So, yeah, but yeah. she doesn't say that. Instead, no. she says he's going to get the warp core back online. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. should I, should I? I think she says uh, she asked you know, for advice, and then Janeway says, "You know, do what you think is best." Yeah, and do whatever you think shocked. is best. Yeah. And she goes, "Aren't you heading towards the bridge?" Because no, I've got to take care of something. 
So then she dismisses Torres. Torres doesn't think twice about it. And then as she's running around the corner, she sees her own, she sees herself, Captain Janeway. So she hides from, yes. From herself. mm -hmm, She hides from herself and her other self is giving commands to another crew member. And so since she rounds another corner and she kind of waits, and then that's when she encounters Braxton showing up and falling, just like he said he was going to fall. She apprehends him. The next shot is back on the relativity bridge. And we have Duquesne doing some calculations and he's impressed. He goes incursion factor 0.0036. That's better than I expected. So Janeway's action really kind of set all the timeline back so that it's oh, there's only really 0.0036 of any type of um, diversion, diversion, yeah, any yeah. diversion or any any um, what, what's the term I'm trying to say? Um, fluctuation. Yeah, any fluctuation. There you go. Yeah. And um, so Decane says, "All right, I'm beaming both of you back to your timelines. They're standing there next to each other. See you in the 24th century," says Janeway to Seven. Seven says, "I look forward to it." Or should I say, backward? Janeway says, don't even get started. And that's the end of that scene and the episode. So they came yep. out. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. What is your theme? What is your theme? I, I know your theme. Never do temporal timeline storylines. I wrote ever. down my theme. Time travel gives everybody a headache. Don't do it. That's my theme. Time travel stinks. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts my uh, brain <laughs> and every part of me. My theme, my lesson is part of being human is learning to trust. <laughs> that is going to be it. I'm going to use that. Good. That's and a it's good true. One. I mean, it's true. You yeah. have to, you, you do have to trust. That's, yeah. that's a huge part of the human condition. And yeah. a lot of times people don't have that trust and, and you need to have that. So great. I'll go with All that. Right. What's your okay. rating on this? I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this episode a... I'm going to say 7.7. That's really? what I'm going to rate it. Mm-hmm. Nice. 7.7. Okay. I am going to, there were a lot of good guest stars in this. I think, uh, I think Jerry did a great job. I think everybody did a nice job, mm-hmm. but I am not a fan of these timeline stories that mess Clearly. with all, all the canon, all the previously, Clearly. the continuity and, with characters and I just, it just feels like cheating. <laughs> so I'm giving it a six. All right. I'm giving this a six because it had some good stuff, but not my favorite. Okay. Okay. Uh, what'd you give it? 7.7? 7.7. Okay. Our captain and admiral average rating for relativity is 7.9. Oh, thank you. Wow. Thank you. You're very close. I very have close, been close to the, two uh, in a row now, actually. So yeah, I'm pretty impressed. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Delta Flyers for Robbie and I's discussion of this crazy episode, Relativity. Join us next week when Robbie and I will be discussing the episode Warhead. Whoa, wait a minute. Warhead. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, that's uh, the next one. Okay. Yeah. Be there. Are you, be getting a little, are you getting a little feeling of something, something? Maybe. Something, Maybe. something. Okay. I'm gonna give you a hint right now. Okay. Harry's in it a lot. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, thank you, everyone. We'll thank see you next you, week. Thank you, everybody. We'll mm-hmm. see you next week.